episode of Progress, Potential, and Possibilities, discussions with fascinating people designing a better tomorrow for all of us. I'm your host, Ira Pastor. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of our show with another really fascinating guest uh, to talk about a really fascinating theme uh, that is uh, definitely part of our uh, theme here at the show and creating a, a unique and better tomorrow. Uh, as a little background uh, to today's show, uh, every year uh, it is estimated somewhere around 800,000 babies around the world uh, are born extremely preterm, as defined as less than 28 weeks of age. Uh, these infants are usually transferred to uh, air-based neonatal intensive care units uh, involved in supporting the heart and lung development. Uh, but obviously the exposure to air at such a young age leads to a lot of complications, lungs aren't fully developed, uh, and then there's a lot of other protective issues uh, that the womb normally uh, supplies that just aren't there. Um, the concept of an artificial uterus uh, or an artificial womb, uh, that is a device that ultimately will allow for extracorporeal pregnancy by supporting the growth of a fetus outside of the body uh, that an organism would normally carry to term. Uh, actually, this concept goes back to the, the mid-1950s, but in recent years has picked up momentum uh, with the maturation of certain technologies, uh, including some uh, here in the city of Philadelphia that have uh, uh, tried to be developed over the years. Uh, the company Juno Perinatal Healthcare is a fascinating Dutch neonatal healthcare startup. Uh, which ultimately has a mission of developing a novel alternative environment similar to a mother's womb where extremely premature babies could be transferred, uh, where lungs could remain full of fluid, umbilical cords attached to artificial placenta to improve nutrient flow, organ development, and ultimately ease transition uh, of these extremely uh, preterm infants to newborn life. Uh, and Juno is a companion project to a really interesting interdisciplinary consortium known as the Perinatal Life Support Project, which is a consortium of three European universities uh, coordinated by Eindhoven University of Technology uh, to establish the first ex vivo fetal maturation system for clinical use. Uh, they're endeavoring to bring together leading experts in obstetrics, neonatology, mathematical modeling, industrial design, ex vivo organ support. Needless to say, there are a lot of disciplines that go into doing something like this. It is truly multidisciplinary. Uh, the consortium is led by Professor uh, Franz Vandenvoss and Professor and Dr. Guid Wee uh, at Eindhoven. And in 2020, Juno and Perinatal was spun off by engineers uh, Jasmine Cook and Lilia Cook uh, to assure that uh, the translation of this could be done. Uh, and uh, you know, we are honored today to be joined by, by Jasmine Cook, who is uh, leading this initiative, but also is the founder of a company, uh, Nanny Nina International, uh, which is a online nanny service operating in 24 cities uh, throughout the, uh, the Netherlands, Norway, and Belgium. Uh, she has a degree in architectural engineering from uh, Delft uh, University. Uh, Jasmine, welcome to our show today. This is a really exciting topic. Glad to have you. Thank you. And may I say, compliments for the introduction. You've done it better than I could have myself. Thanks. I want to make sure I, I got everything in order because I know this is a uh, a complex topic, but it is a fascinating one, and uh, I'm really looking forward to to talking with you. Um, you know, typically uh, as we do, I love to start off as we do this show by really just handing you. 
the floor for a little bit to be, you know, before we get into artificial womb technology and, and discussion, uh, let's talk about you because you have uh, yourself a fascinating background. Uh, talk for a few minutes about who you are, uh, how you got uh, interested in, in architectural engineering and your, in your current company, Nanny Nina, and, and how you ultimately got interested in uh, this startup company, Juno Perinetal Healthcare. Of course. Um, so actually, I was uh, born together with my uh, sister, Dyla, who is uh, also involved with me in this uh, project and is also my uh, partner in crime with uh, our company, Nanny Nina. Um, so we grew up together in a small town in uh, Delft, and our parents were also engineers and allowed us to uh, actually draw on the walls when we were children. Uh, so we grew up uh, in a quite creative environment, and they also had their own company. So we were brought up with... Uh, creativity and entrepreneurship uh, to begin with. Um, my mother's an architect, my father's an industrial engineer, and my sister and I uh, followed a bit in their footsteps. So that's how I uh, started my career. Um, but after working um, yeah, as an architect for five years, uh, the company that we were running next to our uh, careers, it just um, yeah, became bigger and bigger, more successful, and we couldn't do everything anymore. So we decided to choose um, and to start running our company uh, full time. Uh, well, we also participated in something, it's called Dragon's Den. I think your name is Shark Tank or something in uh, okay, Philadelphia. Sure. Um, and that's when it really took off and uh, we uh, got to expand the company and it grew uh, international as well. So yeah, um, that's something we really like uh, to grow uh, companies, to start new projects and to start complex, almost impossible projects, um, which is also why we are now involved in our uh, artificial womb project, because that is one big uh, ambitious moonshot project um, that, as you mentioned, it needs a lot of expertise from different areas and it, it needs people to work together. And that is what I like very much about it. Um, I actually got involved in the project because I contacted uh, the lead uh, professor, Frans van der Poelse, um, and wrote him if I could start a PhD uh, with his research, because the topic just fascinates me, right? It's such a um, big innovation in healthcare that we are trying to achieve. Uh, I wanted to be part of it, uh, but he looked at my resume, saw that we had some ex experience as entrepreneurs, and uh, that's how he, he actually um, got us involved in the spin-off. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, uh, you know, Smith, I, I, I sit here uh, in uh, the city of Philadelphia on the United States East Coast. And interestingly, we have um, uh, there's been some initiatives actually down the street here at Children's Hospital, Philadelphia. They created something several years ago uh, called a bio bag uh, where they, they played around with, I think, premature lambs uh, and, and sort of experimenting with, with one angle of this. Uh, in, there was also down the street at another university, they, they tried for several years to create uh, total uh, liquid breathing technologies. That didn't go too far, but needless to say, these are uh, cutting edge types of things. Talk a little bit about, uh, because, you know, in reading about the, um, the companion project, so that basically this consortium, um, three universities, many different pieces. Talk just a little bit about how that all started, because it clearly seems that um, 
to do this right, it, it needs to start off. Uh, it, it can't be you know, a couple labs here and there playing with pieces of it. You really, uh, to to do this right in the long term, have to bring the pieces together. Talk a little bit about what the Perinito Life Support Project is all about, how that got financed, a little bit of the background, how long that part of it has been in motion to give some folks here in the US a little perspective on that. Of course, of course. Um... Well, to start with the comment, um, the research done in Philadelphia is a big inspiration to us and all other researchers and engineers working in the field. So uh, it's uh, it's really brought attention and got um, got the research rolling. So uh, we're th really thankful for that as well. Um, the project started or the idea started quite well back already about 30 years ago um, to um, when the gynecologist of our project beat Ui, he was still um, in training and he followed, uh, was part of a congress uh, where he saw a little goat in, um, in a bio bag or underwater. And this was actually even before Philadelphia did the sheep uh, experiment. And uh, that inspired him so much that during his work, when he saw the extremely preterm born, um, yeah, um, dying on his, on his watch, he wanted to really improve the healthcare because if you look at the data, like the past 10 years, not much has changed or increased. So if we really want to change and increase our healthcare, then we must do something that is quite innovative and breakthrough. Yeah. So uh, this is what has inspired him. And throughout his career, he uh, became more and more interested and built a network to uh, actually start this project. It really kick-started in 2019 when we were awarded um, the uh, Horizon 2020 uh, European Commission uh, Fund of 3 million euros. Well, 3 million, that's where we can uh, start working with. Uh, so in order to get that uh, subsidy, we started to work together with our partners, uh, the Politecnico um, in Milan, in Italy, um, and of course, our valued partner in Aachen, in Germany. And we have divided the work such that their expertises of the, the different partners can be used to the fullest. So um, the Italian uh, partner, they are responsible for sensors and uh, measurements of uh, the, the yeah, perinate, we call it, the, the infant in our artificial womb. And in uh, Aachen, they, will, uh, they are actually already building our prototype and working on the artificial placenta. Um, with us, we also take care of, for example, the uh, design, because a big part will also be the bonding between the parents and the baby. Um, but that's uh, a problem for now, a luxury to, to be able to think about that, because right now we are in the beginning phase of our research still, where we just uh, have to make the technology work. And, you know, obviously a, a big thing, uh, and, you know, you mentioned some of this on the website is clearly uh, breathing, uh, you know, oxygen is life. And um, I remember from, I, I, you know, researching on my own the issues of, of liquid breathing um, and how it supports the, the lungs and, and the really unique nature of amniotic fluid and all that. So that's one major part. Clearly uh, the umbilical and, and nutrition and blood flow and all uh, what are some of the other areas that, you know, we might not think about? I mean, the womb does so much. Uh, it is a miracle <laughs> that, that life happens at all. But um, what are some of the other parts of this 
I mean, you mentioned some of the sort of the, the bonding issues and the psycho development, uh, other issues that you uh, think about as you think of all the different pieces that need to come together for something like this to transpire. Yeah, well, the most challenging part is actually going to be um, that we cannot make mistakes. So I can uh, give a bit more, uh, like a bit more insight information on your uh, question later on. But first I wanna emphasize that it's not our goal to have the first baby in the womb uh, because it doesn't work this way. If you have a, it's like shooting a rocket to the moon, right? You can't get it wrong. It has to be right the first time Absolutely. because it's so important. So what we are actually specialized in, uh, in the, uh, the University of Eindhoven um, is to create a 3D printed mannequin, a baby, uh, that's based on MRI uh, images. Okay. And that baby um, is connected to our decision support system. We call it the digital twin. Uh -huh. And it's like an artificial intelligence or it learns from the, 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 the decisions that doctors make in order to support them also to make decisions. But we can also use the 3D printed mannequin, um, the baby, to help train the medical personnel. Because if we, if we succeed, when we succeed to make this uh, prototype, then what use is it if doctors cannot use it? And I believe that there are so many groups around the world already working on this. There are several groups that are trying to make this, for example, artificial placenta. Um, but every group has their own expertise. So I'm a big advocate to try to make us cooperate and work together because, for example, where we are really good in the training part and the decision support system, and that's where we have a, something to add, perhaps in Philadelphia, they're already a bit further with, for example, the prototype. And it would be amazing if we could actually start working together because the goal is not to just create the first prototype, but it's to improve healthcare. And I believe we share that. So I hope that perhaps somebody listens to this as well and they uh, find out and perhaps we can uh, connect in this way. Absolutely. So to answer the, your initial question, um, one big problem or point for us right now is actually um, connecting the umbilical uh, cord to an artificial, artificial placenta. And I know some of the other research groups have uh, found a, a good solution for that. Um, we are also investigating how to do that best, but uh, it's just, this is one of the, trickiest things we are working on right now. Um, but there are many other problems and I'm pretty sure we're going to run in somewhere while we uh, progress in our research. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, when you're doing moonshots like that, that happens, but it, it's, uh, it's inspiring that you're attempting it. Um, along those lines, um, obviously, and, and so for the uh, the listeners and the viewers, um, I just want to sort of throw this one out there, we could discuss this. Um, Artificial womb technology sometimes gets, I say, inappropriately conflated with this concept of ectogenesis, which is I more or less refers to uh, the, the full development of a, uh, a fetus from, from scratch. Um, you know, there was, uh, and obviously there are laws against that nowadays on, on how far you can grow an embryo sort of in a lab. Um, that's not this. I understand that, that you're not, a, you know, this is not Brave New World, uh, but at the same time, do you get a lot of um, sort of from the, the public perspective thinking that, that w that's what you're attempting with this run and any pushback from, uh, I mean, I know you got, not only do you have to get the technology right, but you got to get it right in the, in the press and in the, the public domain to understand that, hey, you're not growing babies from scratch and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, talk a little bit about that side of it, if you would, and some of the, 
things yeah, you run yeah, into. You are right. Uh, I think every journalist that we speak to and a lot of questions that we get in our mailbox are about ectogenesis. Um, so actually, we, we try to uh, avoid that conversation. So what we are trying to do is to make the new Niku, do you have this word as well? Yeah, so, so 2.0, like an improved version of that. But still, in order to have this work, we need to comply with the current law and regulations. Sure. Whether it's possible or not with the new technology, that is not the question that we focus on. We focus on uh, developing a medical device that can improve the healthcare within current uh, regulations and rules. So yeah, maybe it will be possible to have an infant of, of 18 weeks uh, to go into our artificial womb. Perhaps it will be possible to leave it in for 50 and increase I don't know what type of, of possibilities, but um, that's not what we're going to do and what we're uh, working on right now. Absolutely. I just, I just wanted to lay that out there because I, you know, I, I, yeah. I, see, I read a lot about that. I'm like, no, this is not the same thing. And, and so I, I think that was important just to get that one out of the way. Um, talk about the company. So you and your sister, you know, you, you're uh, entrepreneurs, your business partners in this. Uh, are you raising uh, more private financing for the company? Are you hiring people right now? What's what's happening specifically with Juno uh, separate from the consortium and, and how are you planning on building up uh, the startup? Yeah, so first of all, it's not just uh, my sister and I working on this. Okay. Um, there are more people uh, together involved and right now we are really under the wing of uh, the, the PLS project. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, we are working together with all the partners, but the importance is why we already now uh, start in this early stage of the research is that we can in this way ensure that the research that we do gets to market. Uh, so parallel to uh, the scientists, because my sister and I were both entrepreneurs and engineers, but we're not <laughs> scientists, uh, but we uh, conduct market research and we do user interviews. We talk to the press and we try to really get the market ready and also, uh, of course, the doctors, the, the medicine uh, part of it, uh, to accept our product and to have it um, producible when we're ready. So right now we are also funded by this uh, European subsidy. We are part of the research project. And when we start to uh, produce, um, then we will need to get extra funding, of course. So the timeline right now is that we will develop the prototype until 2024. We should have a, a prototype ready by then. Uh, and after that, of course, the, the process of certification, trials, clinical trials, uh, it starts. And we hope, but it's hard to say because we can't uh, predict the future, but by 2030 to have um, our medical devices ready um, to be used by patients. Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, yeah, I, it's... Uh... Once again, I, I love hearing stories like this uh, and seeing uh, what was just a few decades ago science fiction um, becoming reality. And, and you know, you say you're not a scientist, but you are an engineer, and engineering is such a a crucial part of this in terms of translating it because the science is wonderful. But at the end of the day, it's it's the folks like you that think, well, you know, we got to make something a certain size and and and, and flow and so forth and so on. So it, it's really uh, fascinating. Um, any other specific topics around either the consortium or the company that I've missed that you might want to mention? Because uh, this, once again, this, this is all new to me as well. So uh, if I missed anything that you want to talk about, um, Please uh, take the floor. 
Yeah, what I also think is quite interesting uh, point of view is that of the, the pricing and the payment, because okay. um, if you look at how healthcare is financed, and I'm not from that broad, so for me, it was an eye opener, like, oh, okay, so that's how it works, yeah. um, is that the insurance company, companies are very important. Um, and it's in the end, not the patient or the user that pays for the care, but it's the insurance companies. So they're a very important stakeholder. Um, and in this case, it's in order to get this funded and um, to make the business case possible, you need to include them. So uh, there are super, <laughs> after even if you uh, get the technology to work and get all the certifications right, it could still be impossible to use it um, because of some lack of business skills or lack of contacts and network in the medical world. Um, so how does one make sure that the health insurance uh, companies realize that this is important? Um, and I think that this is also next to um, getting the world to accept the product. <laughs> um, this is also an important part to focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially, <laughs> especially in, in, on this side of the Atlantic Ocean where uh, we have slightly different uh, healthcare funding structures. But um, yeah, uh, really, really fascinating work and um, really looking forward to see you uh, and, and the consortium move, move this research forward. Um, but very, very exciting. Um, for everybody that is going to be listening to this particular episode or watching on a YouTube channel, uh, you've been listening to Jasmine Cook uh, from Juno Perinatal Healthcare, um, the companion project to the Perinatal Life Support Project uh, in Europe, doing some amazing moonshot work on the artificial uh, womb front. 800,000 babies every year, born preterm worldwide. Uh, there's a major unmet need there. And Jasmine, um, I think you're you're definitely on the right path, and I'm just so glad to see that somebody is finally bringing this uh, interdisciplinary uh, group of possibilities together. So uh, my hat is off to you. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show and introduce us to uh, everything that's happening in the Netherlands with this. Um, and thank you for what you're doing. And as we say, thank you for creating a better tomorrow, obviously for the 800,000 uh, preterm infants. Um, it was really a great time talking to you. Thank you very much. <laughs>